I'm all in. Have you ever noticed that life, you're just really about one decision away? I mean, as funny as it is to watch those children contemplate the decision, most of life is about one decision away. I mean, when it comes to your career, it comes to your family, it comes to your job, it comes to your finances, your children, you look at most decisions and you realize, if I were to make this one decision and really pursue it, how different could my life look? And in this series, we're going to be talking about what it means for us in our lives to really go all in. If you have your Bible, turn to the book of Luke chapter 7. You find it on your smartphone or let me just say this too. If you're here and you ever need a Bible, we have Bibles back at the guest services counter. We would love to hand you a copy of the scriptures so that you can follow along with us. But turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 7. As we look at this passage of scripture today, we're going to talk about this idea that Every one decision we make in life will define us. And as we look at those decisions, we have to understand that we're in a culture that's really halfway in. Now, let me explain. Think about it this way. Most of us in life, we want two tickets to a sold-out concert with two empty seats beside of us and a parking pass next to the arena. That's the world we live in. We live in a generation where our expectations are higher than they've ever been, and our level of commitment is lower than it's ever been. We live among people, many of which some of you work with, they're halfway in, right? I mean, they're just kind of halfway there. They're hoping that somehow something will happen. They can get more time off or more time away. And and if you said, hey, would you want to stay and do what you're doing? They'd go, no, I'm just going to kind of back away. We live in a culture that's living halfway in. But God never meant for us to live that way. God wants us to experience something that this world has never seen, and it's an all-in life. Over the next four or five weeks, we're going to be talking about living all in, and what does it mean, and what is it like, and how can I do it? So if you have a pen today and you're taking some notes, I really want to share with you three things today about this idea of living all in. Number one, if we're going to live all out, we must learn to go all in. You see, I believe every one of you in this room, there's something in you that really wants to go for it. I think it's in the heart of every man. I don't meet people that say, my my goal is to have an L on my head and just be a loser. Like, I'm really cool with just being a loser. I mean, for most of us, we have a dream or we have a goal or we have an objective to our life, and we look at our life and we say, you know what? I really want more. I really want to be at a place in my life where where I'm living all in. But I began to think about this this week. If we're going to live all out, we must learn to go all in. I kind of wrote it another way so I could understand it. We will never go all out until we're all in. You see, the reason why some people that you know in your life are going halfway is they're not all in. And you look at them and say, man, why would they hold back? I remember being a a high school football player in Oklahoma first week of August. I can still smell that Oklahoma grass. And as I smelt that grass, I was reminded that our coach used to make this statement. Don't go halfway. Because if you go halfway, you'll get what? Injured. All of you high school football players know what I'm talking about. If you go halfway, you'll get injured. Coach said if you play halfway, you'll get injured. If you go halfway, we will lose every game. 
So there's something inside of all of us that really wants to live this all-in life. In fact, I really believe most of us want to say to our friends, hey, I'm all in. There is no plan B. There is no going back. There is no second opportunity for me. It's either this, it's do or die. And the cool thing is, I think God wants us to live that way. See, here's what I know. There's a direct correlation between input and output in life. If we have something in our life that we are willing to sell out to and go all into, the output will be greater than the input. Doesn't matter if it's your fitness, doesn't matter if it's your finances, doesn't matter if it's your parenting. I mean, I guarantee you, I see enough men in this room today, if you were to go home and take your wife some flowers and you were to put some input into your romance, it would warm up a little bit. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it would get really good. The truth is, there's a direct correlation in life between input and output. Why? Because we were made to live all in. We were never made to live halfway. So I remember this moment in my life where I had an all-in moment. I was about five or six years of age. My parents came home, and they brought this uh, they brought this kiddie pool to my house. Now, how many of you have children have a kiddie pool at your house? Okay, it's the 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 you spend thirty five forty bucks for a piece of plastic and it breaks in one summer. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, you got one of those in your backyard. My parents brought this home and said, "Hey, this is your pool," and they filled it up. And I mean, I got in and I got all in. I mean, I remember the neighborhood bully. He came and put his foot on the side of that thing and let the water out like six times. Not good. But I remember getting in that kiddie pool at five or six years of age, and I went into the deep, and I was all in when I was five or six years old. Now, I want you to know, it's great to be in the kiddie pool when you're three. It's a different thing to be in the kiddie pool when you're 33. You see, if I drove past your house today... And you're out there going, man, I have really enjoyed summer. I am all into summer. I'm so all into summer that I'm going to take my kid's kiddie pool, fill it up, and put it in the front yard, and I'm just going to sit there in front of all my neighbors. Okay, first of all, at 33, it's a little awkward. At 43, it's a little crazy. And at 53, you probably need to call your doctor. Okay? It's cute to be all in in a kiddie pool when you're three, but it's pretty dumb as you get older. Here's why I say that today. At some point in our life, we all wrestle with the belief that we're to play it safe. You ever thought about that? We start playing it safe with our relationships. We start playing it safe with our children, with our finances, with our jobs and our careers. And we almost want to just hit the autopilot button of our life. For all of us, it's a different point. Some people say it happens when you turn 50. Listen, I know people who are 27 and they've already hit the autopilot. It comes to us at different places, but what happens is we begin to make decisions in our life to not lose instead of decisions to win. We no longer play offense. We somehow play all of our life on defense. Hey, I hope nothing bad happens here. Hey, I'm not really going to go all out and serve because if I do, someone will ask me to do something I don't know how to do. Hey, I'm not really going to give, like, I'm not really going to tithe, so I'm just going to, I'm going to be a two percenter. I'm just going to give two percent to God. And God's up there going, but wait a minute, I told you I would bless you if you would trust me in this. 
But we get to this point, we start making decisions to not lose instead of decisions to really win. And it comes to us at all different types of places in our life. Our, our thinking becomes safe. Our living becomes safe. Our parenting becomes safe. And we just start holding back. I want you to hear this statement today. Jesus did not die to make us safe. Jesus died to make us dangerous. And there's a big difference in life. You see, faithfulness in the kingdom of God is not about us knowing Christ and then staying here and holding down the fort till one day he will come back and take us home to the sweet by and by. Right? Some people think, well, Jesus changed my life. I'm just going to sit around here and wait. And when I die, it'll be, well, it'll be awesome because I'll get to die and go to heaven because heaven's for real. And I'm going to die and go to heaven. It's going to be all great. But until then, I'm going to be halfway. Oh, Jesus didn't die to keep us safe. He died to make us dangerous. And I want you to hear this. The will of God for you and I is not an insurance plan. God's will for your life is to do exponential things. It's not an insurance plan. It's a ticket to sell out and go all in. So I want you to realize something today. The purpose of my life is not to arrive safely at death. I mean, I meet people all the time. They go, man, I hope they get the year right on my tombstone. Really? Like, really? I, I've met a person before. They go, I hope it's a sunny day the day they bury me. Does it matter? I mean, really? Does it really matter? Does it really matter who comes to your funeral? I mean, it does, but it really doesn't. Your goal in life is not to arrive safely at death. Your goal in life is to find a way to flip the switch on your heart and my heart to be able to go all in. And I want to say this to you today. We will stop fearing for our own lives when we die to ourselves. Because God made us to go all out. But the only way we will learn to live all out is when we begin to go all in. Number two, every person in this room, we are one decision away from a different life. I said it earlier. Some of you, you're one decision away from preventing a heart attack in your life. You're one decision away from doing something for your family that could totally change the trajectory of your family and your lineage. Everyone in this room, we are one decision away from a changed life. Look at the book of Luke, chapter 7. In the scripture, this is known as Jesus being anointed by a sinful woman. So let me set it up for you. A group of Pharisees got together and said, hey, we want to throw a party. Like, we want to put a cocktail party together, and you bring over your cool camels, and they'll be pumping music. I mean, I can see it right now. All the Pharisees getting together, they get together at this house, and they said, hey, I got an idea. Let's invite Jesus to come over. And by inviting Jesus, we're going to show Jesus how together we got it. We're going to show Jesus how all in we are because we invited him to our party. So they invited him to the party. Look at verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and he reclined at the table. 
a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at a Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And then she wiped them with her hair and she kissed them and poured perfume on them. And when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. So here's the story. They have a good party. Everyone's dressed up. Everyone brings their finest stuff to the party. They want to impress Jesus. They were caught up in what am I going to do for Jesus? And suddenly, somebody shows up and crashes the party. The Bible tells us this prostitute works her way into the Pharisees, falls at Jesus' feet, and begins to weep. She takes her hair, and she takes a jar of perfume, and she busts it at his feet, and begins to wipe the perfume all over his feet with her hair as she's sobbing. I don't know about you, that, that's an all-in moment. I mean, she didn't stand at the door and say, hey, Jesus, could you come over here a minute and let me have a conversation with you? Hey, Jesus, when you get done, could you meet me outside? No, she worked her way through the crowd, right in the middle. I want you to hear this today. When you and I decide to go all in, we're going to crash someone's party. I mean, I remember as a 17-year-old junior in high school, I gave my life to Christ, and I decided I was going to carry my Bible to class and start reading it in between the assignments, and I did, and that freaked some people out. I mean, that really upset some people at my school. Woo! Don't be reading the scriptures between assignments. Listen, I looked at a student one time, and I said, listen, as long as there are tests in schools, there will always be prayer in schools. Lord, please help me pass this test. When you go all in, you're going to crash somebody's party. And that's what this woman did. She went all in. She walks in there, and I can't help but think that Jesus was almost laughing when he saw the expression on all the Pharisees' face. Hey, whoo, whoo, there's a prostitute in the room. Don't you know who's touching you, Jesus? Hey, hey, this woman, I mean, can you, I mean... I'm sure everyone was like, what just happened? I'm sure they looked at her. She's crying and wiping his feet going, this is kind of awkward. What do we do here? Jesus loved party crashers. And so the party throwers, they were all into what they were going to do for Jesus. And this woman walks in and decides, this is what I'm going to do to Jesus. You see, many times I've had the, heard this story before and it seems like the focus is always on the Pharisees' reaction to the woman, like how they didn't show her grace. But I want you to know the story today, it's not about the Pharisees and their reaction. It's about the woman. We're going to talk about a prostitute today. Okay, some of you go, he talked about a prostitute today. Yeah, we are. We're talking about her today in a good way. Because here's what I want you to understand. The alabaster jar of perfume was made of what's called pure nard. It was a perennial herb that grew in the Himalayas, and they would take it and they would refine it and they would turn it into a scent. And so 
Scholars believe that there was probably about a half a liter of perfume that was in this jar. The jar by itself, it was probably kind of a semi-transparent jar. Maybe it had jewels all over it because it was an heirloom. Maybe it was something that had been handed down in their family. Maybe, maybe it was her dowry, which meant that her dad filled it up with perfume and said, Someday there's going to be this man that wants to marry you, and I want to take this and hand it to him and say, this is the dowry to marry my daughter. But let me tell you what the alabaster jar represented. It represented her past guilt, and it represented her future hope. It represented her professional identity. Everyone knew she had the jar because she was a prostitute and this was the thing that she put on before she would go out and meet with clients. It represented her professional identity and her financial security. Everything she had, this was part of her job. This wasn't the little that she decided to give. It was everything. I mean, think about it. It was her prized possession. I mean, it's kind of ironic when you think about it this way, that this was the very thing she used in her profession as a prostitute, and it would become the very thing that she used to profess her faith in Jesus. Crazy, isn't it? But breaking that bottle and breaking that jar was her way of saying to Jesus, Jesus, I'm all in. There's no more going back. There's no more masking my pain or wasting my life. I'm all in. I mean, think about it. Every time she smelt that scent, it represented every time she had given herself away to something or somebody that had caused brokenness in her life. But that day, that scent had a whole new smell. That was her one moment. Imagine the question that probably ran through her head. If I can just somehow get into this place, and if I take the best of what I possess and break it at the feet of Jesus, how different could my life be? She was one decision away from a changed life. Can I tell you, that's the question you and I should ask every day. If I take the jar of my life and I were to break it at the feet of Jesus and go all in, how different could my life be? Man. That's the question we all ask daily. She was one decision away from a changed life. You know, breaking the jar in our life is giving what is most precious to us to Jesus. It's offering him our past, our present, and our future. It's going all, all in with our identity and all of our security. I mean, for some of us, the reason we struggle with this is we got too many plan Bs. Some of us need to leave here today and go burn our plan Bs. Well, if this doesn't work out, I'll go somewhere else. Well, if this doesn't happen, I'll just go do this. I mean... When are you going to stop your exit strategy? We're all one decision away from a different life. 
For some of us, our alabaster jar are our kids. We're holding on to it like it's ours. It's our finances. We're holding on to our 401k like it's going to save us. It's our jobs. It's our status in the community. We want everyone to know us this way. Not to this woman. Look at verse 44. Then he, Jesus, turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house, and you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair, and you didn't give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she's poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown, but whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. There was no cleaning up the act. (laughs) There was no, hey, Jesus, just give me three chances. At the moment that she went all in, Jesus met her in that moment, and he changed her life. Can I tell you today, I believe some of you, you're in that moment. Jesus brought you here to this place. And he says, if you'll take your life and break it at my feet, I'll forever change your life. So if we're going to learn to live all out, we've got to make a decision to go all in. We're all one decision away from a changed life. But number three, an all-in life becomes a beautiful thing. This story is told in all four Gospels. And in all four Gospels, as it's told, there's different elements of the story you get because of the Gospel writers. Turn back to Matthew, or excuse me, not Matthew, Mark 14 real quick. One Gospel back from Luke. Mark 14, because Jesus made this statement that is very profound. He helps us understand that when we go all in, our life becomes a beautiful thing. And in verse 6 of Mark 14, he says this. He says, leave her alone, Jesus said. Why Why was he saying that? Because the Pharisees looked at her and said, you are being wasteful. You wasted all that. By the way, do you realize how much she wasted? 300 denarii of perfume. That is an entire year's salary. As a prostitute, that is an entire year of giving yourself away to things that leave you broken. Was in that jar when she busted at Jesus' feet. So Jesus says, leave her alone, Jesus said. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. And I hope that's what's said about my life. I don't want to do things for God. I want to do things to God. I want my life to represent a beautiful thing. In verse 7, he says, The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare me for burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Jesus said when she went all in, it was a beautiful thing, and an all-in-life is, all is such a beautiful thing that everywhere the gospel is told, they're going to talk about this woman's story, and today is evidence of that. I love it. Wow. 
She wasn't wasting. She was wanting Jesus. What the world calls a wasteful moment, Jesus says is a worship moment. Jesus said, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. It wasn't her duty to have to do this for Jesus. It was her devotion. She was all in. Her one decision to go all in led to a moment which led to an encounter with Jesus that forever changed his life or her life, and she made history. I mean, think about it. Are you living just to get your name in an obituary? Is that how you're going to make history? Man, I don't want that for my life. I want to do more than have my name in the paper in an obituary. I want my life to make history. You say, well, man, you're pretty, you're pretty sure that somehow you're going to be a history maker. Listen, I believe that when I go all in, I will make history. This woman went all in. She made history, and it's it's not our goal to only get our name in an obituary. It's our goal to make real history. There was a preacher years ago by the name of Watchman Nee. You can look him up on the internet. He's got some incredible things that he said about his relationship with God. But listen to this one statement he made in regards to this woman. He said, a life is never wasted that is wasted at the feet of Jesus. Man, that's so true. In the early 1900s, there was a group of missionaries called one-way missionaries. They literally knew they were going to the mission field, and so they bought one-way tickets, believing that they would never come home. In fact, they believed it so much that they took all their earthly possessions and they packed them in a coffin. And they left the coffin with their loved ones and said, I may never come back. If I do, these things will be here, but I've already packed my coffin. One of those missionaries was a man by the name of A.W. Milne. Records say that as he left the shore that day with his one-way ticket and all of his belongings back home in a coffin, he waved at those he loved, and he didn't fear for his life. And here's why. He no longer feared for his life because he died to himself. Jesus said, if you lose your life, you will find it. If you try to find your life, you will lose it. And so he sailed off to a group of mission or a group of people in the South Pacific who were known as headhunters. Every missionary before him had been beheaded by these people. And yet he's going all in, leaving everything he has, and he goes to the South Pacific, lives his life, and changes this culture. And when he dies, they bury him in the middle of the village. And on his tomb, the headhunters that he had gone all in and risked it all for so that they could hear the gospel wrote this on his tombstone. When he came, there was no light. And when he left, there was no darkness. I believe the world is tired of candy corn Christianity. I think the world's looking for somebody who's all in. This is not a pet talk today. This ain't a pregame speech. This is reality. 
God is inviting you to go all in. Can I tell you what your alabaster jar is? It's your life. And every day you have the opportunity to take your life and to break what you think is most important to you at the feet of Jesus and go all in. I think this is what that moment felt like for that prostitute. You are the king of kings. You're the friend of sinners. And everything I have, I break at your feet. The most precious thing I have, my future, my identity, my past. Everything I'm not, Jesus, I break at your feet. And I'm going all in. And whatever you choose to do with me, it's well. It is well with my soul. I don't care what people think. Jesus, I'm breaking it at your feet today. See, here's where some of you are. Jesus wants to take the broken pieces of your life and he wants to make a beautiful thing. But he's waiting for you and I to go all in. Some of you in this room today, you've never given your life to Christ. You say, wow, man, Christ follower, that's weird. The dude's up there like freaking out, like breaking things on stage, okay? Like a member of the power team or something. But here's what it represents to me, that God's calling us to go all in. And he's waiting for us to take the alabaster jar of our life and bust it at his feet and trust him for everything. Some of you in this room, you've never given your life to Christ. Listen, he came and died on a cross for you so that you could have real forgiveness and real hope and have a life like you never dreamed. He's waiting for you to say yes to him. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, I want you right now to pray this prayer with me in your heart, but between you and God. Just say, dear Jesus, I come to you today. In Jesus, I give you my life. I believe you died for me on the cross. I believe you loved me enough that you took away the punishment of my sin. In Jesus, today, I place all my faith and all my trust in you, Jesus. Come into my life and save me and give me eternal life and give me a new life in Christ. Listen, today, if you prayed that with me just now, if that was your decision, then you're going all in. In fact, if you did that today, I just want you to raise your hand up. Just raise it up. Say, Sean, I did that. I'm not afraid. Last service, we had multiple people who for the first time gave their life to Christ. If you did that today, if you made that decision to go all in and trust Christ with your life, hold up your hand. I want to celebrate what God did in your heart today. Amen. Listen, there's another group of you here today, and I want to open up the front of this stage and invite you to come and kneel and pray and make a decision. You're one decision away. You're 
piece of this vase and this jar and you put it somewhere where you can remember that God loves broken vessels because that's what we are before him. God makes beautiful things out of people who will take everything they have and break it at the feet of Jesus. And so if you want to come and you want to pray today, you stand to your feet. We're going to worship together in this moment. right now and God we acknowledge that our lives are one decision away God the next four weeks as we learn to live an all in life and what that means to us God you're going to take the broken pieces of our alabaster jar and you're going to use it as a trophy of your grace to the world we live in and to the people that we're around and 
that God, all of South Atlanta would realize there's something different about him. There's something different about her. She seems to live all in. She seems to be all about one thing that makes a difference in everything she does and everything he does. God, we want to live an all-in life. So Lord, today, Lord, take our jars and let it be a place of worship. Our past, our present, and our future. In Jesus' name we pray.